and welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. That was Sitting very... at a new distance from my microphone. Excellent. Let's see how that works out today. He's, he, <laughs> yes. As he's trying to stay so calm and not just... It, it, when Gavin gets excited, it's almost like a rock star when they're like... Like Steven Tyler. Imagine Steven Tyler really wailing into the mic. And that's Gavin. He just grabs a hold of it and just sings this, his heart out. This is not untrue. I, I am like Steven Tyler. And AJ is like young MC. He goes faster. Yeah. This. Hey, you know what? Those are those are good comparisons and nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Thank you for listening this week. Yeah. Dream on, baby. All right. That was a good episode. Anyway. Ha ha. Just kidding. How are you, my friend? I'm doing. I'm doing quite well. How about yourself? I can't complain. Uh, as I was telling you before in a little pre-recording ramble, I did not get very good sleep last night. Very random. Just one of those nights where. I went to bed a lot later because I have evening training, uh, so a lot later than I normally would, but still allotted my eight hours. It was The timing was perfect, but I randomly woke up at 3 a.m., just woke up like mid-thought, can't explain it. It was it was like I wasn't even sleeping, and I was like, that's weird. All right, gonna go up, go pee, go back. Usually, I fall right back asleep when I wake up in the middle of the night. Nope. Probably maybe three or four hours later, I fell back asleep, got one more hour. So I got about maybe if I was lucky, four or five hours of sleep. Still worked out this morning, running on fumes. Went to the movies to watch the film we're talking about today for the second time. I wanted mm-hmm. it fresh in my mind, my very tired mind. So hopefully, uh, it, it's funny though, because when we you know, do you these episodes something? and we talk about films... Typically, uh, sometimes it's new releases, but uh, most of the time it's films that we're watching at home and so forth. So we can easily take notes. Now, in this case, when it's playing in theaters, we can't take notes. And so there's it's hard to remember a lot of stuff. Now, I have in the past tried to take notes in theaters long before we ever did this podcast, as nerdy as that is. And it just doesn't work out. Not to mention, it's it's not fair to the other viewers. I mean, the one time I really tried to do it, there was no one around me, so it didn't matter. But yeah, so we're going to try I, our I, best to remember everything. But uh, we're really excited to talk about this movie today. When I, I I have taken notes in theaters, I had like this small notebook that I used to take in with me. Mm-hmm. Trying to read what I wrote afterwards is uh, is another problem that one encounters in these uh taking notes in the dark theater the dark cinema yeah the (laughs) it's funny because the one time i really tried to do that was when i was living in thailand and bangkok knockout came out and i thought oh i'm gonna write a review for this since i'm living in thailand and i'm gonna see it before (laughs) anybody else does so i went and saw it a second time brought my notebook i still have that notebook because it was also where i took a bunch of my notes for uh muay thai training and so forth so it's somewhere in uh, one of my boxes, I'm actually missing a bunch of my books and magazines. I know they're somewhere, but from our move about six or seven months ago, I can't find them. So they may be in storage at my parents' house, or they're just somewhere and I can't find them here. But who knows? For our uh, movie watching friends, Mm -hmm. particularly the straight to video movie watching friends who listen to this uh, podcast, do understand that sometimes those same people watch horror movies and waking up at 3 a.m. and not being able to fall back asleep uh, is is a fodder for a horror movie script. Oh, oh, was the TV on? Yeah. Now, imagine. uh, So they I was about to say martial arts horror. They did kind of remember. I'm not sure if you saw 
Freddy versus Jason. Oh yes. So when that that's came, that's like the my favorite of the of each of those <laughs> respective genres. I'm trying to think when that came out. I think it was maybe like my senior year of high school. I remember going mm-hmm. to see it. I found it entertaining. I'm not a huge. Uh, I mean, I like horror movies. I just don't seek them out. But this was like, all right, cool. It's Freddy versus Jason, and they kind of tried to make it martial arts esque. Yes, remember. they did. Like, yes, you they know, did. <laughs> Jason was definitely like the big brooding like hulkish type character and then freddie was much more of like the dynamic martial artist with his claws of anything you know like from what i recall but uh your your recollection i think is pretty spot on i've only seen it once but i quite enjoyed like a fight on a dock or something it definitely felt very martial arty yeah yeah there we go all right cool so uh my memory is uh with uh with standing pretty well especially in my current state of affairs and yes i am drinking coffee because as i mentioned before i'm running on fumes i am technically still supposed to do another workout today so mm. we'll see how that goes real quick i want to give uh some shout outs to a couple folks that i keep forgetting to give shout outs to first one is uh my new buddy randall who from the kung Fu conversations podcast he and i chatted up all the time on instagram and every week i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna this movie news i'm gonna say hello and i always forget I always forget. So first thing, we're out the gate. My man, thanks for the support. He always shares our episodes when we uh, post them. And uh, he has an awesome podcast, especially if you are like deep into Kung Fu and you know like Chinese martial arts really well. Like you and I are fans. And I'd like to think I know quite a bit about Chinese martial arts, but it's like just a wide range of stuff I know, plus my years living in China. But these guys, man, they know their stuff. And they actually just did an interview with a Shui Jiao instructor, uh, an American guy who lives less than an hour away from me in Visalia. Yeah. And he like opened up a Shui Jiao school. This guy lived in Beijing for uh, eight years. So I just, it's like a four part uh, episode, if I'm not mistaken. So I just, I listened to the first one, but I'm going to have to, you know, try to go meet this guy because uh with my background in sanda and you know chinese martial arts and i think shui jiao is really cool so yeah check out the kung fu conversations and then uh also my shirinji kempo sister uh teresa aka tc as she's known online she's a big supporter and keeps wanting us to do uh the heroic trio so oh and 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 it's, At least one of us has access to the Criterion channel. Oh, and I've been watching it in case you didn't notice on the, the queue. You think, <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. I mean, not that we're sharing it or anything. <gasps> no, 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 no. So that's right out the gate right there. Just some shout outs to some cool folks. Uh, anywho, martial arts movie news. Now, once again, some weeks were very well prepared for this. Other weeks, not as much so. I haven't really brought anything today. Do you have anything significant to share? Uh, what I can say is the news to me is I have the Criterion channel and I'm watching a documentary. The Sword of the Samurai, 1939, silent documentary about sword, samurai sword making. Phenomenal. Oh, is that what you sent me earlier? Yes. Yeah, I really need to stop ignoring your texts and actually look at what you send me because I might get some gems <laughs> like that. I'm just kidding. Actually, you sent it to me. Uh, it was when I was coming out of the movies and I, I saw it and I was like, oh, I'll have to check that out because I was getting into my car, right? I couldn't like mm-hmm. look at it while I was driving. But uh, that sounds really cool. Holy cow. Yeah. Now, yeah, is it I've a Japanese going... made documentary or is it like a – it's hard to tell I, sometimes because they – It is hard to tell. I, 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 but uh, it's uh, fantastic. Very, very cool. It feels like 
something David Lynch would uh, would make today if he if he uh, if he could. But look at it this way: 1939. You may have still had sword makers. Yes. That were making swords for actual samurai. Yes. Which is and trippy. For, yes. Yeah. It's it's kind of eerie in a way if we think about the time frame of uh, and it's 1939 silence. So it makes it makes me feel like it was shot before and then released in 39 or released made for an American public in 39 right before, you know, things got very heated between our, our countries. But yeah. uh, definitely. Yeah, that's my martial art movie news. I, I unfortunately my research has been like, I'm going to get to this film that we're discussing today. I'm going to watch it, love it. And then I have put my head in the sand otherwise. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you've had a busy week. I, my cold, I mentioned last week. It's funny. It was normal intensity of cold. It just wouldn't go away. It lasted. I'm still feeling like lingering effects. And the interesting part is, I don't know about down in LA, but here, uh, in the Central Valley area, like everyone's telling me it's spreading, like it's it's going around. And the funny part is some of the random little symptoms I was having, other people are too. And I'm like, oh my God, that makes, so I don't know what it is. Uh, I obviously stayed home and didn't uh, go to the gym or anything until Wednesday was when I went back to the Muay Thai gym when I was feeling 100%. I did take a COVID test just to be safe, you know, and respectful. It's funny because like in the pre-COVID era, especially for hardcore people that train, you know, it's like, oh, it's a cold effort. I'm, I'm getting back in there, you know, and because you, you want to show your dedication too, especially to coaches or senseis or this or that. But in the post-COVID era, I do like how it's a little more like, hey, if you're sick, stay home. Because, I mean, and you can train at home. Like I was still training at home. I didn't take any time off from training. I was training in my garage and stuff, like sweating it out, you know, to an appropriate intensity. But, you know, I didn't want to get anybody else sick. You know, we've got people fighting like every other week in the gym. Imagine if I go in there mm-hmm. like a, I was going to use an appropriate word, like a butthead, like all <laughs> sick and I get someone sick that's fighting in a couple of days. Now F that, that's not cool. So yeah, my cold was still just lingering this week. I'm, you know, I'm still feeling effects of it, but I'm, you know, I've been training uh, the last couple of days, feeling good. And yeah, I, I would have liked to do more research on this as well, but that, that's the great thing about this series is there's so much behind the scenes stuff. That's the other tough thing about this series is there's so much behind the scenes stuff. Like trying to watch it all would be, whoa. but yeah, you it, know, it, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming if you're trying to prep in time for, uh, for a podcast a few days after watching it. But at the same time, it's, it's, it just shows how rewarding it is just to unpack how these action scenes were fought, what the, you know, what, what everything, uh, what the source material was, the source inspiration, the, so, I mean, there's, there's so much to unpack on this and maybe, maybe at one point in time, we're discussing a film today, obviously, um, maybe at one point in time, uh, down the road, we can discuss the, the arc of the series and the impact on action films before and after. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see now that the, uh, the John Wick universe is truly expanding. You know, they've got the TV series in the work about the Continental. They've got the the spinoff movie, uh, Baller, not Ballerina, but I forget what, maybe that's what it's called. I think with, it might be, I think you're right. Yeah, with Len Wiseman directing. Uh, yes. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of effect that has without Chad Stahelski at the helm. Obviously, David Leach and Chad Stahelski in the first one, but Chad Stahelski is taking over now for the last three. Without him, at the helm as director, if that'll make a difference. 
you know, they have such a big team at 8711 that fight choreography wise, I feel like they have a lot of talent where they can work on it all together than have the main person. But it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here, if it can capture that same magic. And I'm excited, quite frankly. So I'd love to uh, see the John universe, John Wick universe expand exponentially. Yes. 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 My best Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix. Yes. Anywho. That that looks pretty good. Thanks. Thanks, my man. So you have some quotes for me today. I have a quote for you today. And with the idea of time being of the essence, I've come up with one difficult quote. Okay. Decoration is for show. Be silent like the decorative man you are. I have no idea. That okay, is, so that's I've texted one. AJ about this film a couple of times, and each time he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I've seen it. 13 Assassins. Oh, my gosh. Well, in my defense, those would have been <laughs> subtitles, right? Like, yeah, I'm not hearing yes. it in English. Okay, you're a, you're, a, you're a butthead. That was a butthead move, but a great film. But oh, it's a great film, and I just, like, was recording all these different quotes from it and I'm like this is great that's great and I so after watching John Wick I needed there was emptiness in my life and I needed to fill it and I tried to fill it with a couple of movies I just they just weren't clicking so then I I uh, decided to go down the Koji Yakusho rabbit hole and I watched a couple of his films uh and 13 Assassins was one of them and man oh man I love that film great quotes on par on par with uh, with some great quotes from John Wick 4, but also thematically kind of similar. Assassins killing assassins. Yeah, but that was still that was still a dirty move doing that. That'd yeah, it like was. I'm sorry about you that. One, like, jungle ren push up being full. Oh, hold on a second. Oh my gosh! If you if you get this, then mm-hmm. uh, I'm impressed. Oh my goodness! I I I think you're going to tell me what the film is. Mm-hmm. Fist of Fury. Oh, come yeah, on, man. So I should have guessed the, the that. Chinese I, I should have guessed that. Man, right? I, I like, can yeah, yeah, hear yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, because you know, you know your basic Chinese, because for a lot of people that don't know, Gavin also lived a year in Japan when he was a child. Or a year in China. In China, excuse me. Uh, outside of his many years living in Japan, he lived in mainland China in the 1980s, which is crazy to think about because anybody, especially like, so talking to foreigners, uh, excuse me, foreigners over the years when I lived in China, the ones that lived there in the the 80s and then were there like when I was there in the early uh, 2010s when I first got there, I met this guy and I may have talked about this on the podcast once before at the gym in Guangzhou. So circa 2011, uh, maybe two, no, this would have been 2012 because it was my second gym I was a member of. I met this guy, older guy, probably in his 50s at that point, but he grew up in Hong Kong. Like he was a, an American guy, I think half American, half British, and he, but he grew up in Hong Kong. And so he spoke like fluent Cantonese, but he also lived in Guangzhou in the 80s for some reason. Ooh, wow. So and then, then he was back there at that point in time and he's like, Completely different. Nothing's the yeah. same. Like even, you know, structurally, all the buildings, everything were torn. It was all different. All the roads were different. It was just a completely different uh, place. Yeah. My, my mother went back in the 2010s and she's like, "It. I know I'm in the same place, it, but 
it looks completely different. It's like a different country. And I, I, there was a film released a few years ago that took place in Taiyuan, which is where we were in, in the Shanxi. I think it even took near place near Shanxi Dashui, where uh, Shanxi University, where my mother taught. And we're watching the film, and it says it was shot there. Can't recognize the thing. Could Pro- not it recognize probably, the thing. It was probably Kung Fu Yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> no, but we could not recognize anything at all. And I, I, I jokingly say, totally say, different. I jokingly say, even when I left Guangzhou in uh, 2013, February of 2013, even after I left, there was a bunch of changes that started happening. And structurally, it's going to be the same, but it'd be interesting to go back to some of those same hangouts uh, or, or to see kind of what more like Western style hangouts were at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. developed. Uh, but anywho, we digress per usual. It is time to start talking about the fantastic film that we are going to be discussing today. Today, we are talking about the brand new John Wick Chapter 4, directed uh, by the brilliant Chad Stahelski, starring too many people to name. So I'm going to just name a bunch off the top of my head. You try to fill in if you can. We've got Keanu Reeves. Boom. We've got Donnie Yen. Amazing. We've got the great Scott Atkins. We've got Mark Gozaror. We've got Haruyuki Sanada. Or would it be Sanada or Sanada? Sanada. Sanada. Okay, so kind of in between like the two I said. I've always said Sanada. but And for true OG fans of martial arts cinema, especially Hong Kong, you know him as uh, Henry Sanada. That was his English name for uh, Royal Warriors, if I'm not mistaken, which is also on the Criterion channel, by the way. But I'm waiting for my Blu-ray to arrive that I've already pre-ordered. Anywho, we've also got, uh, where'd I leave off? Uh, Hold on, hold on. Give me uh, Ian McShane, of course. We've got Bill Skarsgård as the the lead villain, the Marquis. He is very good and very tall because he makes Marco Zoror look short and Marco Zoror is huge. And uh, who else? Fill in some people for me. I already forgot. Uh, Rina Sawayama. That's right. She's fantastic. Uh, You did not mention Lance Reddick yet, did you? No, I did not. And may he rest in peace. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, Shamir Anderson. Yes. Who's very good. Uh, I... Wow, there's one sequence where I'm just like, there are some phenomenal martial artists, artists in this film. And he just did a move that i'm going to remember walking away from this yeah he was he was very good he he has an uh a captivating presence like i remember every Mm -hmm. time i saw him i'm like i feel like i should know him or i know him but he just has so many star qualities rolled into one that i think that's what it is he just reminds you of a strong hollywood leading man presence you, you know you know what i love about this cast uh the actors and the way they performed in this in this film particularly, everybody was cool, calm, collected. And what's great about it, which is sort of, you know, this is what you would want in in a world of professional assassins. Uh, Shamir is right there amongst them with his own sense of cool it, with, and without the years of experience that uh, Sonata has that, you know, uh, Donnie Yen, Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Ian McShane, years and years of experience. Scott Atkins. I mean, these guys all have this experience and are able to be confident on screen. He bring he's he's right there with them. Right, and for some pe- uh, people that we're going to get to talking about, it's maybe the best roles they've ever had, which is really cool. So, 
basic premise. I mean, every if you're listening to this, you know the John Wick series, right? So you know the basic idea. You know it's this secret world of assassins. It's like this underbelly of society. They function within society, yet nobody seems to notice them half the time, which is actually kind of cool. I like the way they do that. There's a lot of symbolism there, especially when I was rewatching the third one. Uh you know, where it's visually, it kind of displays this idea of they're out in the open, yet nobody sees them. They're, there's a lack of transparency, even though there should be, but it's kind of this cinematic sense of, you know, it's like in real life, it, is a, it would be a disbelief, right? But here, they just make it work. But anywho, so The Table, everything is run by an organization called The Table. And in the last film, you know, John Wick has been trying to fight back against them. Uh, you know, he nearly dies at the end of the last movie. So the beginning of this film picks up with him having like pretty much finished his recovery, punching the Makiwara board. It's funny, Mr. Vargas, our loyal listener, he sends me a message. He saw it first. He's like, do you like Makiwara boards? <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, I guess they're cool, man. I, I've never had one. And he's like, oh, you're going to like them even more after the you see the movie within the first two minutes. And in my mind, I thought, oh, snap, John Wick kills somebody with a Makiwara board? <laughs> but no, it's just kind of him training. Uh, and he's been in what looks like an underground compound with Lawrence Fishburne recovering. And it starts off with him killing uh, what would be, I guess, technically the the head of the table. Is that who it's supposed to be? The The guy in the desert? I think he's a member. I felt like he was a member of yeah. the table or or an intermediary to the table. I don't know if he was head. Well, that's what I'm trying to think what his title was. Uh, it was something I feel like a little more specific. Uh, let's see here. Elder? The elder. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. He kills the elder. So that would, is in, that's the catalyst for the film. So then a new person, the Marquis, played by Bill Skarsgård, is appointed and he makes it his mission to take out John Wick and like everything he was associated with. And John Wick has to find a way to pretty much survive. So it's just assassins after him. We have a bunch of cool characters thrown in there, old friends and associates of John Wick's. And right out the gate, there's going to be some spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, there will be some spoilers. And then one major spoiler at the end. So you can pause this, go watch it, or feel free to watch, or excuse me, feel free to listen first. But that's the basic premise. So we've got John Wick jumping around the world globally, trying to outrun the table before he finds a way to try to beat them at their own game and mm-hmm. earn his freedom back. Was that, was that a pretty good synopsis? That was, that was really good. Excellent. I want to go watch it right now. Cool. All right. I'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Okay. I'm back. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> yeah. It's. And once again, it's it's a it's a great setup for the John Wick series. But the difference is with this film, I feel like we're getting a lot more depth to some of the supporting characters, especially some of the new characters. And in turn, we're getting more depth to John Wick himself because, as I mentioned, these are previous associates or friends of his specifically. We have our characters played by Haruyuki Sanada or Sanada. I'm going to keep saying Sanada. It's just the way I've always yeah, say, uh, say it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who plays Shimazu Koji, who's the manager of the Osaka Continental Hotel and an old friend and companion of John Wick. And then we have, of course, Donnie Yen as Kane, 
who mm. uh, is a blind high table assassin and a blind swordsman high yes, table assassin, but not just swordsman, also gunman. Yes, gun, uh, yeah, he's everything. Yeah, and an old friend of both John Wick's and Koji's. So, and the interesting part is. I especially like how, you know, Donnie Yen calls them both like brother throughout the film. He's always calling him brother. And it's like, yes, he's been tasked. He has to assassinate John Wick, but because of family reasons, he has no choice. It's like, all right, your family dies. In this case, his daughter or John Wick. So it's this really intriguing dichotomy that actually evolves as the film goes. It starts off as one thing and then kind of transcends into a new relationship for the two of them where mm-hmm. it's Donnie and still responsible for assassinating him yet then also at some points has to keep him alive and it'll make sense once you watch it but it's very intriguing and I, I really like it I'm gonna say it right now before I forget but now that I'm gonna forget this is the best role Donnie has done in years, the best role ever in a Western film for him without hands down, without a doubt, they finally figured out how to let or to do Donnie right, both in terms of the action, but also his role. So when, when they announce these big cast for a film, whether it's John Wick or whatever, you have assumptions. You're like, all right, you know, it's going to be a glorified cameo or walk on or this or that. Mm -hmm. John Wick 3 treated us to Mark Dacascos having a great performance and role in that film. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get as much depth or backstory for him, but he's just a great character within it. He has great comical beats. And it was kind of almost like a preview to these more evolved supporting characters we were going to get in this film. Now, Donnie Yen's character, the Kane assassin, could have easily just been a walk-on, uh, a write-off, you know, like his small part in Blade Two, which was, you know, just written in because he was the fight choreographer or his, you know, throwaway role in uh, Shanghai Nights, you know, where, mm-hmm. yes, he's cool in that, but it's like, whatever, it's just, you know, they're just kind of it, having him... Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm just going to piggyback off, off of where you're going and then and uh-huh. then let you finish that direction. Like the thing is like with Shanghai Nights, it's like you have a skill set, you're bringing your bag of tools to this. What I'm seeing with John Wick 4 is much like Flashpoint or SPL or so many of other Donnie Yen's projects where he has a greater role in developing his character is the fighting, uh, his is character driven. So it sort of allows, I felt like this film allowed Donnie Yen to craft Kane as a character, a multidimensional character. And from there, the fighting emerged. Very well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I feel like a lot of that comes from, and he talked about this in an interview, just straight up was like, Chad Stahowski gets me like the filmmakers in Hong Kong and China don't. I can connect with him on a level that I've never connected with any other directors, including his own mentor, Yuan Wuping and stuff. I think that has a lot to do with his uh, multicultural upbringing. So for mm-hmm. people that don't know, uh, Donnie was born technically in Guangdong, China, but I believe moved to Hong Kong when he was like two or four years old. Then when he was 11, they immigrated to from Hong Kong to the United States, Boston. So he grew up like what would be his uh, middle school teenage years in Boston before getting in trouble, like, you know, street gang stuff. And his parents sent him back to 
mainland China, Beijing, to study at the Wushu Academy, or uh, the Beijing Sports University, excuse me. And then from there, it's when his Hong Kong film career began. But so he has this multicultural background. Now, what Chad Stahelski brings to the table is the fact that lifelong martial artist, and he grew up watching all of these films, the films of Donnie. So they both kind of have that mix of both cultures. And I think it was the first time Donnie got to work with someone that wasn't like, you know, because uh, I'm sure they get, oh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Oh, I've seen IP man or, you know, no, like he somebody that truly knew him as an artist and this role it's got so much depth to it. It's got, it gives Donnie the chance. Now I've, opinions vary. Some people are like, oh yeah, Donnie's a terrible actor. Well, now it's just more the the roles he's been given for the last like even almost 15 years in terms of like IP man comes to America, right? So, and yes, everyone, I'm jokingly saying IP man instead of Yip Man, uh, Yip Man because they spell it the IP way. But uh, here we see and I've always said, I think Donnie is a good actor, but here we see that he is a great actor and he's cool, calm, collected, funny. He has some like comical beats, but you also get to see him do some real drama too. And it's believable. It's not like, okay, Donnie's pulling it off. It's like, you are really invested in the Kane character and he just happens to kick some serious butt. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really fantastic because it's, it, there is this, uh, I almost want to say, even the way the action sequences are sought or the sequences leading up to the, the fighting, uh, it's like clearing out of the way. We're going to clear the direction out of the way. We're going to clear the set. We're going to let Donnie occupy the space in in his own way. Like, I, I just think the whole... Uh, Hotel Osaka sequence, mm. Osaka hotel sequence is phenomenal, particularly when he's putting up those doorbells, you know, and like going through and just occupying the space, getting to know the space. We've already been through the space a couple of times, but we're finally seeing the space. And he did something, uh, this this is a credit to both Donnie and of course the cinematographer and the director. Uh, they did something that Kurosawa does. Uh, Akira, Akira Kurosawa does uh, specifically. I thought you were talking uh, about Frank Kurosawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there are, there is another. It's a Kinji Kurosawa, right? Oh, okay, well, but yeah, but um, <laughs> come on, yeah. come on, guys. Uh, they set up the he in Seven Samurai. People talk about this where he actually shows the land, the map. There's a map so the audience can see what the characters are living in. Uh, Donnie Yen, as he goes through the hotel setting up the doorbells, we are seeing the layout. We're seeing what he's doing. And then the people follow the layout that we've already, we've, we've established. So we're there with him rather than sort of watching. We are now inside the sequence with him. And I just, that a lot of that has to do with how Donnie perform the sequences but of course also how uh how the how the how the whole scene was storyboarded but basically what i'm saying is like back to donnie and simplifying every what i'm trying to say is everybody cleared out to let donnie perform on camera and you see his charisma you see his you see his thoughtfulness you see his care that he takes uh just underrated actor and we know this all of his people people who watch him know this and we finally get to see 
see his full potential in this in this film. He is not just a supporting actor here. He is the co-star like with yes. John Wick. In fact, it's almost obviously screen time, not as much as John Wick, but importance. And they both drive the story. Without Kane, there would be no John Wick 4. That's how he essentially is. And that's what mm-hmm. I was so pleased. I was not expecting that. And I think final note here on Donnie before we move on, there's going to be the obvious uh, comparisons to Zatoichi, the famous Japanese blind swordsman. But I think the comparison to Zatoichi that probably most people aren't going to bring up is the complexity and depth of the character. Like, so anybody familiar with the original Zatoichi series, I'm not trying to act like an expert. I've only like, I'm only five films deep, I think. But is, there's a lot of parallels in the sense of, yes, he is technically a Yakuza, a Yakuza that wants to get out and knows that this is not a good life, but always seems to kind of get drawn back in or has no choice and just kind of knows it's, at his destiny, but he he tries to rise above it and be more than that. And so I think there's a lot of those elements also thrown into this Kane character. And I think anybody that's a Donnie Yen fan is going to be pleasantly surprised and very happy by his performance. But let's let, let's move on. So we focused on Donnie a lot. Very happy for him. Uh, another person that... So let's go to the the Continental Osaka sequence, which is our first big action set piece. So that's another interesting thing about this film. Kind of like the first one, we actually don't get a straight up like action sequence till maybe 10 or 15 minutes in, which is pretty long for John Wick. Then it's just nonstop. Mm-hmm. But the uh, Osaka Continental, which is run by Haruyuki Sonata and uh, his daughter, uh, John comes to him at this point. You know, he's already killed the... Uh, what you may call it, the high table. What, what did we decide it was called again? The the elder. The elder. And, you know, Har- Haruki Sonata's, or so, uh, Ken, uh, not Kenji. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Sorry, that's the, the brain fog. Koji, sorry. So Koji is very, welcomes it with open arms because they are like old brothers. And there's almost this hint that, not that Koji owes him. Koji has that true Bushido code, that sense of honor. Yes. He even says to uh, Kane, Donnie's character later, when they're forced to fight to the death, that, you know, y- you think it, it's only about having a marker. You think it's only obligation to the table. There's more than just that. There's like true honor and brotherhood, which I think that sequence is also kind of, <laughs> no pun intended, eye-opening for Kane. But also at the same time, Kane has family obligations. And that's a constant thing throughout the film, like family, family. Like the the one thing that these guys would do anything for is their family. Why is John Wick in the situation he's in right now? Family, technically, right? You know, the dog being the last gift from his wife. Uh you know, why is Hiroyuki Sonata fighting to the death to protect his daughter, more or less? Why is Kane doing what he's doing to protect his daughter? So uh, John Wick shows up to the Osaka Continental. Uh, obviously, uh, Koji's daughter, uh, the Akira character, I thought that was really cool. Her name was Akira, mm-hmm. uh, is very like upset. Like, what are you doing here? And, you know, he shuts her down. Like he even says at one point, don't presume to tell me about somebody that I've known longer than you've been alive. I think I got that mm-hmm. right. Actually, I'd even get to write that down. He says it in Japanese to her. Uh, and so you could tell it doesn't matter. Like he knows that the second John Wick shows up, it's the end of his world slash life. So the table shows up led by Marcos Aurora. So technically the, the Marquis team and they storm 
the Osaka Continental trying to capture John Wick. And I think for both of us, it's our favorite sequence of the entire film. Correct? Uh, no question about it. The entire the entire Hoto Continental sequence is just fantastic. Because everyone gets to shine. It's Donnie's intro because the whole time you're like, blind assassin? How's this going to work? And we get to see how he functions as a blind assassin and they really set it up well. It It's believable, quote unquote mm-hmm. believable, because obviously in real life would never happen. But it's like you see, okay, this is how he functions. This is how he works. Uh, it's great because we get to see the great Haruki Sonata doing his thing. He's still amazing. Marco Zoror gets to, you know, showcase his stuff right out the gate. Yes. And then even uh, the Akira character played by uh, Rina Sawayama, the singer, actress, uh, she kicks a bunch of butt too. Yes, and as uh, as Daniel of six dollar brother, six k dollar brother on uh, Twitter pointed out because uh, he paid attention to the ending credits. Uh, Saori Izawa mm-hmm. of Baby Assassins is credited as a stunt double, I believe, for uh, Rina Sawayama. So that's actually that actually kind of explains some of that great movement that we get from her as well. Yes. Very cool. Thank you for that bit of information uh, to our Twitter follower there or friend. Uh, Yeah. And then just the whole setup of the sequence, uh, everyone gets to shine. We get some sumo in there. I I got to see it before Gavin. And with this, the second, it's not very long, but we get two sumos. that get to throw in a little bit of action. Yeah. I I loved it because we see them earlier on. He's like, don't let anybody pass. And I'm like, okay. Are they going to be able to like really withstand people? And then when they get their action sequence later, later, uh, a few minutes later, I'm like, yes, they're awesome. I just love the whole setup too of uh, Koji's. Uh, so how are you saying? I'm just going to say Koji, his his team, right? His guys in the yeah. hotel because they're chilling, they're eating and stuff. And then he like, you know, comes by him and says, we have guests, like make them feel welcome, which is their code. Uh-huh. For, and they just stop what they're doing go into the closet, pick out all their weapons. Like they know what's up, like not even a hesitation. Like, oh, oh, snap. Like, oh crap. We about to die. It's like, nope. Like, okay, whatever. It's just that once again, that Bushido code that's just prevalent throughout. And so, yeah, as we mentioned, Donnie Yen gets to do his thing. We get to see how darn fast he still is. Now, the one thing Donnie doesn't do a lot of in this role, because it doesn't make as much sense for the martial arts stuff is because he mostly does sword play. He doesn't do a lot of kicking. He does right. one really good axe kick in this sequence in the mm-hmm. kitchen. But I, I just wanted one of his classic jumping back kicks. That would have been awesome framed at the the classic angle like I he know. does. But, I know. But otherwise, it's, you know, mostly sword play. He does do a little bit of the Wing Chun stuff in the kitchen, which is also awesome. You're like, dang, he is fast. But is there are there any other weapons that pop out in this? Uh... Oh, Oh, my man, my man. I've already said it to a bunch of people and I'm going to say it on the record here. The Martial Arts Mania podcast. You heard it first. The best nunchuck sequence ever captured on film. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Best. It's it's an ever. It's I think that's an entirely fair statement. Obviously, we do have a Bruce Lee say uh, sequence with nunchucks that are that is fantastic. You can watch that on oh, this is how to properly use them. This is how to use them in high pressure, high tense situation. I mean, I just See, love I would the maybe sequence. argue with you. The, would the, you say uh, this, this is the real life? That's what I'm yeah, thinking. it's phenomenal. Like, because I feel like nunchucks... They definitely, they've had a bad rap, like, because everyone's like, yeah, they look cool on screen, but they're completely useless. Now, but I'm they, like, I don't know, like, apparently they're easy to disarm, they're hard to use, which I 
could imagine is totally so. But in this film, what they do is they make it look like the realistic way of using it. So yes. long story short, Keanu Reeves is running through this one like uh, almost museum setup they have mm-hmm. in there where there's a mm-hmm. bunch of weapons. He gets knocked through some glass and picks up some nunchucks. Now, some people have said, or maybe it was you that was saying it to me where it's like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he somehow, he learns how to use them as he goes. I don't really think that's the case. I, I don't think, yeah, that, was, no. that wasn't me. I think maybe it was uh, Tiger, our friend Tiger, but or maybe not. I'm not sure who I was talking to about it, but he, it's like he's rusty with them, but he definitely knows what he's doing. And it's, it's cinematic and he does like a little bit of like, quote unquote, the Kata style stuff, but then he's yes. also making it look very realistic and he goes from gun to nunchuck, gun to nunchuck. He puts him around his neck and then when he can't use his gun or he runs out of bullets, he switches to the nunchucks. He, yes. you know, incorporates grappling with the nunchucks, but even just the way he strikes and hits people with them, it's like, oh, that's how I'd imagine nunchucks I truly agree working. completely. Now, and can I, ju- can I just ahead. say, can, can I just say when he, he's using the nunchucks, and then he got a gun and I'm like, oh, is that, is that it? Is it over? And he put it around his neck. I'm like, thank you so much yeah. because I <laughs> need more. Back. And he, yeah, that, that's, that's one thing that I, I want to say about all the John Wicks. Uh, they tease you, they give you what you want, and then they give you what you really want, which is more nunchuck. I mean, it's just so, the sequence is so good. It's extended. It very feels extended. like a long period of time that he's going back and forth using them in a very realistic format. I just. It and like you said, cinematically, so well shot. Yeah, this sequence, so well shot. Very, very well done. My favorite. Now they're all awesome, but that was definitely my favorite of the film. I mean, and once again, after this sequence, it's really we have plot development, character development, but it's not too long between each action sequence. And we have some very special sequences. We have a great during the fi- the finale j- goes on forever. It's almost like an hour long and it's awesome. It goes from car chase to uh, abandoned building to the stairwell finale. We have a great uh, bird's eye view kind of video game style shot that you think mm-hmm. would be gimmicky, but they just make it work. But before all that, we should talk about the other supporting actor that gets to shine in his biggest role. And I feel is going to be finally put him on the map and hopefully give him a bigger budget for his next picture, if not yes. a bigger Hollywood picture. And that's Mr. Uh, Scott Atkins. I know. I was going to say, like, we may not have gotten the kicks we wanted from uh, the Kane character, although it makes sense that he wouldn't be throwing kicks blindly around. Uh, Scott Atkins does make up for that. Yes. So Scott Atkins plays Killa Harkin, the head of the German table. Uh, and... So in order to get back uh, his family crest, so in order for John Wick to get back in with his like uh, Belarusian family, he has to kill the Scott Atkins character. And then once he gets his family crest back, then he can challenge the high table, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But Scott Atkins, he is in a, for lack of a better term, I don't really know if there's a polite way to say he's in a fat suit makeup. We've never seen him in a role like this. It's also great that he's getting to play this German character because typically, you know, once he did Boyka, it's like they obviously did three Boyka films and then even his character in Expendables 2. Once again, his roles in big Hollywood pictures have kind of been throwaway. I know a lot of people liked his role in Expendables 2 and I I thought he was great too, but it was it was like, they're like, hey, play Boyka for us. And they totally underutilize him here. Yeah. He gets to show off his acting chops and gets to develop this whole new character, this German, large-sized, sleazy assassin that uses an inhaler 
Uh, he's got like two or three front gold teeth. He's once again, very overweight. He's sweating. That's the great thing too, is the makeup and the, the, the fat suit is so good. Like the way they do it is so realistic. It's not like, you know, in the past, uh, They've done a lot of films. I mean, The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy, for example. But I feel like in this one, you really see up because he's up close. It's a ton of up close sequences uh, at a card table. Yeah, it, it's it's comedic. It's dramatic. It, there's tension. It it really, it really, I mean, sadistic. So like, listen, Scott Atkins fans know Avengement, know his level yes. of dramatic and tense tension-filled acting people who watch uh the deck collectors and uh accident man know his his comedic beats he's fantastic and then of course anything from any of his ninja films through uh through uh uh accident man knows knows his kicks this film brings it all together there's tension there's there's sadism i guess uh there's comedy uh, he's in the fat suit kind of reminds me a little bit of like the fat man from the Maltese Falcon, sort of this man in power. But also, like, as I, I heard uh, Scott Atkins mention in, in, uh, in an interview, it's also a slight homage to Sammo Hung, which, of course, you know, that's all I needed to hear. I didn't watch any trailers, as we discussed in the last podcast. All I heard was a portion of Scott Atkins talking about homage to Sammo Hung. I'm like, that's it. That's all I so need. So had you not even seen him yet? Uh. I saw a photo. Okay. But you hadn't like seen the trailer where he's talking nope. like a real conundrum. Like, no, so no. That I was, had not oh, seen any. Cool. I had no idea what his voice would be. Nothing along those lines. Fantastic. I had just had so much fun watching this sequence. I'm like, and then when they're doing the, the you know, they all deal who gets to, who gets to kill whom, uh, whoever has the hand, highest hand gets to kill John Wick, unless John Wick has the highest hand, then he gets to pick who he's going to kill. Uh so as they're going through and and Scott Atkins, who Killa, who's the who's the dealer, goes last and he puts up a two. When he puts up the first two, I already know it's going to be. <laughs> wait, uh, what was it? Five, five of a kind is what five he of a kind. Yeah. Right. He throws up the other two and he's just taking his time and he gets it all out. And then Donnie Yen says, let me guess, five of a kind. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, like the, it's all rigged. And then he we get to see this phenomenal action sequence. Well, the best part is, you know, we get Donnie and Cantonese calls him a cheating bastard. Polkaya, and then Keanu yeah. Reeves says back, yeah, he's a cheating bastard or whatever. I pardon my yeah. French. But because, you know, John Wick seems to speak so many languages or at least little bits here and there. Yeah. But then an action sequence follows, like you were saying, mm. and you're not expecting that, especially maybe if you were an audience member that's not familiar with Scott Atkins, you would just be watching this character and be like, oh, who's this fat guy? Uh, and you, especially if you don't know who, you know, Scott Atkins is. They may have just thought it was a large actor. Absolutely. This, this for me, had shades of, uh, we've talked about it, Willy Wonka, Gene, Gene Wilder. We, we've mentioned this before where there is a sense of, uh, oh, he's, he's, uh, he has a cane. He's not going to be agile. Then he does this flip. It's, it is misdirection for the audience. The card game is misdirection. This, he, his entire character is misdirection. And it's fantastic because, again, like if you don't know Scott Atkins, uh, you're not expecting this. And if you do know Scott Atkins, you might be, particularly if you didn't see a trailer like I hadn't, you might be like, are they going to actually have him do any action or is it just going to be the comedy sequence? Um, I'm enjoying the comedy sequence. I'm enjoying the tension. But is he going to get to throw some kicks? Oh, he gets to throw some kicks. Well, yeah, you expect John Wick starts chasing him down. He's already injured him, sliced him in the neck with a a card. Uh, We're talking John Wick has... 
injured Killa. And so Killa's running away. He's overweight. He can barely breathe. So you think, oh, John Wick's just going to kick his butt. No, it's a throwdown. And uh, not only a, a throwdown, so he shows right out the gate. He's got like a kickboxing style. And like mm-hmm. judo, he does some great throws. He's dragging yes. John Wick around. He does kicks, like you said, including he does a spinning wheel kick or spinning hook kick i technically mm-hmm. i would call this a spinning wheel kick in the 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 fat suit he does a great side kick like he does some explosive but it's all believable too it's not like oh that doesn't make any sense it's like he makes the style work for the suit it's you know a grounded heavy kickboxing style like the thing is there's heavyweight fighters built like that i mean yeah uh, beast boy barnett in the ufc is a large gentleman, a guy who's, you know, in the heavyweight division that is much smaller than most of the other guys because, quite frankly, he is just kind of fat. But he has a Taekwondo background and kicks like that. So I, I would actually – what was what – was, what I really appreciated once this sequence was over was how hard it took John Wick to overcome Killa. And it just reminded me – of the great one-on-one battles that we've talked about from the golden age of Hong Kong cinema. I almost think that this is Scott Atkins. We've seen him in some Hong Kong films. Sometimes it's a little sped up. Sometimes it's not. It's restricted shooting schedule. When we see this sequence, I I just felt like outside of a Scott Atkins film where he's actually a a co-star, this is his for me, his greatest sequence. And also what I appreciated about this is despite the fact that Keanu Reeves had with uh, Mark Dacascos or the two henchmen before uh, Mark Dacascos and John Wick 3, I'm blanking on their names. I see their faces. I know who they are. Um, they're part this, of uh, the, ra- the, the raid stunt team guys. I, yes. I don't know them by name either, but they're both uh, real life Penchok Silat masters. Yes. I felt like this was his best one-on-one fight sequence or his his toughest one-on-one villain, despite the presence of Kane as well. And and but when it came to like hand-to-hand or foot-to-foot combat, this was his greatest uh opponent. Yeah, I agree. Uh simply because that it's exclusively like hand well, technically later than John Wick throws a an axe right into his butt cheek. He shoots him in the butt cheek once, hits him later in the other butt cheek which once again scott adsons gets to throw some comedy in there right like yes uh you shot me in my butt cheek yeah yeah or it's, something like that said, I, well, I don't, he also I don't have my notebook. german i think and he calls yes, him uh, yes once again a bastard part of my french but uh yeah just great sequence for scott adkins hoping it leads to more uh, there's so much, once again, this film is almost three hours long. So we're skipping over a lot plot wise. We gave the basic premise, you know, so we, we head into the finale. It's up to, uh, you know, by teaming, uh, back up with Winston, John Wick is given the knowledge of how to beat the high table at their own game. As I, we mentioned, he gets back in with his family, crest the Belarusians, uh, you know, I think, right. Belarusians. Yes. Yeah. And so he challenges the marquee. So the finale is pretty much John Wick trying to make it to the challenge. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be an old school, like pistol duel, uh, single shots, uh, very old school style. And, but, you know, the marquee doesn't want him to be able to show up. So that's the extended long finale. It's going through the streets of Paris. It's a, a, an amazing. What's the, do you know the name of that landmark where they're driving around? Uh, in Paris, 
it, hold on. I'm I'm just gonna look it up because yeah, I, I I've never. So while, while you look it up, I'll just like what's great about the sequence. They even have a obviously a, a an old school DJ going with the record. It, it's it is a direct homage to one of the original modern action films, Walter Hill's The Warriors, uh, where he is trying to get from point A to point I'd say Z. So he right. has a few stops along the way. Just it it just felt like. If this is the last chapter of John Wick, you know, spoiler, I believe it probably is, although there is a universe that it exists outside of the John Wick character that is now developed. Uh, it's wonderful that it essentially closes on an homage to the film, in my opinion, that kicked off the modern action film. Excellent. And uh, I, I couldn't find the name of it. It's this, it's like a big roundabout. You know, people probably know. But anywho, so, you know, they're fighting their game. Let's so cool. Yes. <laughs> Very good, Gavin. Oh. Uh, so, you know, they're getting hit by cars. They're, you know, we've got, once again, we have a great dog in this film. And I want to look it up and find out later if it is one of the dogs from the third film, obviously playing a different dog character, but because they already had him trained. Uh, but. And then they go through like that abandoned house where we had the aforementioned uh, bird's eye view sequence. But then the cool part leading up to the actual pistol duel is John Wick. So when they pick the location for the the final duel, it's at the Sacre Coeur, uh, which is a church of some sort. And it's this super long stairwell leading up. So John Wick has to fight off a bunch of assassins going up this stairwell. And it's, once again, a phenomenal sequence combining hand-to-hand with the guns. It's also, they also play uh, Justice, which is a well-known, like, musical group, I guess you call them. They do kind of, like, I don't know, I'm so bad with musical terms in the sense of, it's not techno, but, like, electronica of some sort. Great sequence. You know, he gets all the way to the top when suddenly Marco Zaror shows up again. We think he's dead. He's back. Kicks him. Knocks him all the way down to the bottom. Now, you're like, what the heck? How's he going to get up there in time? He has to get up there at sunrise. Then Donnie Yen shows up at the bottom and says, hey, even though the whole movie, Donnie Yen's been forced to try to kill him at this point. Now, Donnie is uh, the marquee is making Donnie do the duel with John Wick at the top. And if he does the duel, then Donnie and his daughter will be free from the table. So now it's different. Now it's he has to make sure John Wick gets up there, even though he still doesn't want to kill his friend. This is the one opportunity he has to make sure that he's free. So it's Donnie and John Wick teaming up together, even though they're going to have to duel to the death at the top. They also have to team up together. And the thing is, it's not like a, a thing where, oh, enemies have to team up. They're they're brothers. They're friends. Once again, yes. Kane constantly calls John his brother, my brother, my brother. You know, he doesn't want to be doing this, but it's really cool to get to see them team up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then eventually on top of that, our uh, tracker character. So uh, I'm trying to think of his exact name. Uh, We'll try uh, Shamir Anderson. Yeah, Shamir Anderson. Mr. Nobody. That's right. They just call him Mr. Nobody, the tracker. Uh, At this point has now changed course after John Wick saved his dog. So he's kind of teamed up with them, too. very briefly, but it's like a magnificent trio almost. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, and and I joking was when I saw the film, when John falls down all the stairs and Marco's or knocks him down, I was like, Oh, it's an homage to surf ninjas. But, uh, not intentionally. I was like, it's an homage to the music box with the Laurel Hardy. Well, there you go. Laurel and Hardy, not Laurel Hardy, Laurel and Hardy. 
Yes. Yeah. So yeah, because um, it's and then once he hits the, and I will say that sequence, he's like falling down the stairs, falling, going sliding, sliding. I'm just like, I felt exhausted when he got to the bottom, as we should. And like, I'm like, how is he going to get back up? And then of course there's the hand of Kane. Yeah. There. And then and then you know so the audience, again, just like the the sequence in the hotel con uh the uh, I'm sorry the the hotel in Osaka. Again, we are in the sequence because we've seen the stairs. We almost got to the top. Now he's back down at the beginning. And so now we're in it. We know the progress. We know the effort it takes to get up. It's it's really, uh, really well-directed, filmed, performed, edited. Just it really pulls the audience in. Just like with the nunchucks that we were discussing earlier, when he puts it over his shoulder, over his neck, like, will he use them again? Yes, of course. Yeah. It's We've come back down to the bottom. Will he get up again? Yes, of course. But each each time they do something within the action sequences, there's there, there are these moments of pause that make sure to engage the audience and not just leave us as observers. Because it's, you know, Watching a film as an observer, an action sequence as an observer, is great for a one-time watch. Pulling us in is timeless. And that's what they did. Right. And it's very rare I go and see a film twice in theaters. This one, I had no hesitation about doing it. Yeah. I, the only reason I almost didn't is because I wanted to go see it with a friend of mine. But uh, at this point, I was like, you know what? I, I just need a rewatch. Yeah. Uh, so they managed to make it to the top. Kane and John have to do their duel. And really, actually, I, we're just going to uh, leave it at that. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, they have to do their pistol duel. Let's just say John Wick always seems to find a way to come out on top. And from there, you know, the the future of the franchise, as you had hinted at earlier, is kind of up in the air. You know, there's mm-hmm. you can interpret the ending in different ways. Yes, you can. Uh, I mean, my first instinct was looking at it one way, but then I was like, oh, maybe it is really the way they're presenting it. I don't know. So without any massive spoilers, just know that the ending is going to leave some fans probably really shocked, upset. Maybe some are like, cool. Uh, And then there is, did you stay for the after the credit sequence? I didn't. Uh, See, I didn't today Uh, because I had already seen it and the credits take forever. So there is... An after credit sequence. Uh, I now I have to go back. Oh, do you want to tell me? So you don't know what it is? No, I don't. Oh my is, god! Is Scott Atkins back? Uh, no, no, definitely not Scott Atkins. But let's just say it definitely sets up for a spinoff movie that I think everybody would love to have. So I'm not going to say anything else beyond that. Okay. So we're actually wrapping up around a perfect amount of time. So final thoughts, final grade. I give John Wick four A plus. How about you? The rare A plus. You know what? For how everything wrapped up, how it handled the film itself, uh, the the franchise, again, ending is open. I, I gotta, I gotta agree with you. A yeah. plus. Yeah, I mean, and if you're an action film fan, you are not going to be disappointed. Martial arts fan, you are not going to be disappointed. You are going to love this film. Uh, I. I, for lack of a better term, I was so happy because it's like, wow, how do they follow up number three? Oh, we've had to wait yeah. now a little bit of time. Oh, you know, they've got all these extra actors in there, but are they just going to be throwaways, this or that? No, mm-hmm. they do justice mm-hmm. to every character, to every actor, to every action sequence, to everyone's style. It, If this is the last John Wick movie, I would be happy with it. Yes, I agree. It, it, it's, 
it's when I saw the final sequence without seeing the, you know, the final, final after credit sequence, I was like, is this it? Is there more? I want more. But also it's like after having a wonderful dinner and you don't need any more, like just that like slight hunger of wanting more, but also just ending on that last perfect bite. I don't know. I don't know how I feel, but I, it's such a beautiful film. I mean, it, it is, it, it's a great four chapter uh, that took how long total? 10 day, 10 years. Uh, what was no, the first no, one? No, not even close. I think because the, the first Eight? one came out when I had moved back to America. So 2016, I think. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe it just made us wait so long for this last one. I'm pretty sure 2016 is when uh, the first one came out. Let's. Uh... 2014. Really? Yep. Oh, so I was still in China. Did you look at that? You, well, you know what? I didn't. My first seeing the. I saw John Wick 2 was my first one in theaters. Oh, And okay. John Wick 3, you and I saw together at AMC in uh, Santa Monica. We did? Yes, we did. And then we, uh, your, a couple of your friends were there. Yeah, okay. And I then, remember Sal. And then John Wick 4. John Wick 2, I saw with my mother. Okay. And John Wick 4, I went solo. There you go. I went solo yeah. today for my second viewing. All right, cool. So wrapping it up, uh, Language Corner, what do you got for us today? Oh, what do I got? Yeah, well, it's there's no settings in uh, China or Taiwan. Okay, okay, uh, hold on. All right. There's Singapore, All right. you know, you, it was Osaka. Osaka to me, baby. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, all right. Oh, man, on the spot. I don't know what, like, I actually speak Japanese. You might be surprised. I actually do. Uh, but on the spot, thinking like this. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, well, I got something. Okay. Okiyakusama. Okay, no, no. <laughs> okay, so you go with something. I'm going to yeah. ask you, and this is very easy, so I know you'll know how to say it. How do you say this tastes good? Because there's a sequence where before Donnie gets in on the action, he's just eating noodles in the kitchen, and Marco Zorora gets all mm. angry at him, like, do your job. So how would you say, mm, this tastes good? This is good. As well, in like, that's so pretty in English, you just say, if you were eating, it's implied. This is good. But like in Chinese, you literally say like good eat. So how do you say that in Japanese? Oishi. Oishi. That's oishi. it? Yeah, well, I said it with emotion, but oishi. Oishi. Easy. Oishi. Yes. Yeah, you can always say oishi desu. Oishi desu. Or if it's really good, you can always throw in monosugoi. Monosugoku oishi. Monosugoku oishi. If you're a Yakuza. Yeah. Very good. AJ. Oishi. Oh, so you said the, the udon was very delicious. Yes. Oh, I'm learning Japanese. I'm learning Japanese. All right, my man. We're going to wrap it up there. This has been awesome. I'll see you next week. Sounds great. All right. Peace, my brother. Take care.